0: Ephesians chapter 6, I have seen something, this passage of scripture uh, began to talk to me and get a hold of me several weeks ago, and I started a series, or kind of a series, called Arm Yourself. Anybody remember any of that? All right. Well, there was something about it that uh, I have, I I don't even know how to describe it, but something that I knew was there that God was trying to show me, and I am thankful that uh, as thick as my head is, He finally got through to me, and I want to begin tonight to share some of that with you. No great revelation, but boy, what an inspiration. Ephesians, the sixth chapter Verse number 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Therefore, no... He didn't say therefore. He said, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith you may be able or you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. I put that word in there because in our mind, sometimes we think we know Scripture, but we don't know Scripture. Because most of us quote that verse that you may be able to quench. And it doesn't say anything about what you may be able to. It says you shall quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I take up my subject again tonight. Arm yourself. Everybody say that with me. Arm yourself. When you and I started the Christian journey, it was the beginning of so many wonderful and marvelous things for us. Forgiveness. Who can put a price tag on forgiveness? What it's like to live a forgiven life. What a precious, precious thing forgiveness is. God has forgiven us of our sins and he has washed us from those things. And he has put them according to scripture behind his back. And if God is everywhere, he is omniscient, then where is his back? You're not going to find him. When God takes care of your sin and my sin, it's adequately taken care of. You don't have to worry about it coming back to haunt you. If it's forgiven, you can rest assured that God has taken care of it. Now you can go back to your sin, but God's never going to let that sin come back on you if you'll leave it in His hands because you're forgiven. Amen. Righteousness. Who could put a price tag on righteousness? Right standing with God and with man. Who could put a price tag on hope and joy and peace? and contentment, and long-suffering, and uh, all of those things, the fellowship. What a great blessing, the fellowship of God's people. And all of that became part of our life when we became uh, children of God. When we were born again of the water and of the Spirit, we entered into a fellowship. And we came into the... Uh, uh, we, we came into the possession of an assurance of eternal things. And I am thankful for that. But as sure as we have begun this journey with a lot of wonderful things, it is also the beginning of a fight and a war. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 32, Paul describes what happens when a person turns their life over to God. And this is how he described it. He said, but call to remembrance the former days in which after you were illuminated. That's the word that he used, illuminated. Your life had been lived in darkness and the shadows of evil And then the light of God's presence shines in our life and we are illuminated. He said, Don't forget that along with that illumination came a great fight of affliction. Everybody say it's a war, it's a war, it is a perpetual battle and it is necessary. But God has not left us without hope of victory and He has not left us without equipment to win the battle that we are involved in. And so I return tonight to our text in Ephesians to underscore to your mind and heart the very real need of our spiritual life. And when I read this text, I am am stirred by it. Because I am familiar with it, but I am stirred by it. Because the language of it is so commanding. There is an intensity about the words that the Apostle Paul used in this text. And there is a firmness and a directness in Paul's word. as, As if Paul was saying pay attention, wake up, listen to what I'm telling you, get this. If you get anything, get what I am trying to tell you. Do this, and if you do this, you will do more than survive life. You will be victorious in life. You will overcome whatever the enemy could do, To try and stop you in your spiritual journey. I love his choice of words because they are as important as the mentioning of the articles of armor. He begins by saying finally. I love that word. Because finally connects the past with the future. It tells me that you've got to take time to consider All things. And when you look back and then when you look ahead, there's some things that you need to be mindful of. And this is what you must do. Considering all things. Looking back. Looking ahead. Finally, brethren. I love the word brethren. Because Paul connects himself with my struggle. He connects himself with the battles that I'm facing. I I I like people that's been where I'm at. I I don't want to talk to somebody that's just they're armchair quarterbacks. You know, they tell you what you ought to do, but they've never done it themselves. I've had people come by and tell me how to build a church, and and they've never built one themselves. I'm not being braggadocious. I'm just saying. Don't tell me something to do when you haven't done it first yourself. I don't need somebody to come by and tell me how to build a building that's never built a building. Or how to win a soul that's never won a soul. I want somebody that's been there and done it. I want somebody that's got some experience. And so when Paul is speaking to these early believers and and to us even tonight. He identifies himself with the struggle that all of us endure in this battle of life. And so he proceeds in this uh, text that we've read to r- identify the enemy that we are facing. And the enemy is very real. If you, you don't think that there's a real enemy to your soul, you, you are badly mistaken. And you are a fool I, I, I use that word carefully, but if you are of the mistaken notion that there's no real enemy in your life toward your spiritual life or your soul, you are the you, you are a syncopated fool, as somebody said you, you you don't even have a clue there is a real enemy and paul said. That enemy is multi-dimensional in his attack against you. He doesn't just come from one area or from one arena of life. But there's principalities and there's powers and there's rulers of darkness and there's wickedness in high places. And so Paul said the enemy that you and I are encountering is going to come to us from different points of reference. And we must... Always be aware of that, and we must understand that the enemy of our soul is very determined. I I have to add, I, I have to put this compliment on the devil. He is determined, he is much more determined than some of us. Are in trying to live for God. He doesn't give up. You can slam the door in his face. You can call him every name under the book. And he's going to come and knock on your door tomorrow. He's not ashamed. He's not embarrassed. And that's why people that connect with him. And come under the influence of his spirit. They are not ashamed or embarrassed of what they do either. Like spirits beget like spirits. So. He is real and the battle that we are in is very real and he's very determined. And Paul makes us to understand in our text just how real the battle is by enumerating the armor that is necessary for us to battle effectively. This is a real struggle for our soul. There are Eternal things that are in the balances tonight. There's something inside of me that cringes when I watch some people when they come to church. How carelessly and how frivolously they treat church and they treat the move of God or the visitation of God's spirit. I want to go back and I want to get them and shake them and say, Would you please wake up and open your eyes and look around you and realize what's going on? And you're, you're, you're letting the great opportunity of life slip by you. There are eternal things at stake here tonight. Your soul is in the balance and you're playing games. You're, you're sitting back there with your phone out on the internet surfing or, or textbooking or Facebooking or whatever else they do. I, you know, I, I want to get a hold of it and say, good Lord, can you realize what's going on here? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Am I the only one that ever feel that way? Some folks, you just like to pull them over your knee and just wear their backside out. Just like you did when your kids were acting up. Say, come on. Do you realize that the enemy is doing his best to get you any way he can? There's an energy that's needed to overcome that and there's an armor that's necessary. And so Paul reveals that there's Not only a real battle and a real enemy, but there are available resources. I'm thankful that God has made available resources. And so he begins with the command. Be strong. Amen. Everybody say that with me. Be strong. A command. Not a suggestion. Not an offer. But a command. Be strong we must above all things be strong for this battle because weakness in this endeavor is unthinkable. For me to not take seriously the threat that's on my soul is one of the most unconscionable things that a man could do in his life. To not consider all that is in the balance in my life, and realize that in this battle of, of life and in the battle for my soul, failure is not an option. I don't want to be lost. I, I don't want to spend my eternity with someone like the devil. I, I don't want to spend my eternity... With someone that is so evil and wicked and vile. And so I want to be strong. It's a militant word. It it, it is a word with urgency in it. There's no time for weakness. And there's no time for weak living. And you and I cannot afford to ignore the command of the scripture that is given to us. The word that he used is forceful. It's not mocking. It's not mockery. He is not giving these words to us to make light of our human weakness. And he is not saying that. He is not saying be strong to make the weak feel worse about their failure. In in the opposite of that, the fact is that the reason Paul said be strong... It's because he wanted you to know that even though you may feel weak and vulnerable and you may feel like at times you've lost the battle or you're losing the battle or temptations are too great or trials are too heavy, that you have the promise that God has given you and I what it takes to make it through life without failure. Amen. And it's called the armor of God. And you're all familiar with it. But I don't think you've looked at it the way we're going to look at it tonight. The words that are spoken here by Paul are actually words of faith. When he said be strong. Be is a. It's an action word. It it is a state of being verb. It tells me what I am capable of of doing. It speaks of my possibility. So what Paul is saying is not beyond the grasp of everybody in this building. When he said, be strong, he wasn't talking just to the strong. He was talking to the weakest of the saint. He was talking to the one sitting here tonight that feels like you may be losing the battle. He was saying that inside of you, in your spirit, is a spiritual capacity to overcome. And inside of you, there's something that you have not considered. And that is a divinely planted will that's stronger than whatever might be against you that can enable you to rise up. And so in essence, when Paul gives the command, be strong, he was telling us ahead of time of what we can do. And what we could become. You can do this. You can be this. You can become what the scripture declares that you ought to become. Amen. And somebody said amen. Amen. So I want you to look with me tonight at the armor that is needed. And when I started looking at this armor afresh, I was struck by a, a different thought. He tells us how to dress for success. I, I thought about calling it dress to kill, but that doesn't sound too good, but dress for success. To dress for battle. Put on the whole armor of God. He's telling us what it will take to wage a good warfare. If we're going to win, this is what you've got to have. But when I started looking at that, I wanted to examine... What this armor was designed to protect. What is it in this armor that we need to understand that God really wants us to get hold of? You see, when Paul identified the armor, he in essence identified what the devil is after in your life. Or why would he give you something to protect you in that area? So when Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, begins to ride about this armor, he is in fact identifying the areas of your life and my life that the devil is going to attack me in. And he identifies what it's going to take To overcome the enemy in that area of my life. So when you read about a breastplate of righteousness or the helmet of salvation or the sword of the spirit, there's a reverse side of that. There is a, 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 a purpose for that piece of armor or that equipment. There's something it was designed to protect. And so that's what I want us to look at over the next few weeks. I don't even know how long it's going to take me to get through all this. I hope you don't quit before I do. But I want to identify the area of attack that that, that Satan is after in your life. And what God said it's going to take to counteract that attack. That's what the armor is really about. Why would God give us armor if there was no need of protection? If we were invincible in these areas, why would God tell us to put on the whole armor of God? The fact is, it doesn't matter how long you live for God, you never quit being vulnerable to the enemy in these areas. and so it is what are the areas of attack and i want you to notice that there are six of them there are six things that are going to we're, we're going to talk about and six is the number of man so in essence god is speaking of the need of man And in turn, our text gives the answer that man needs for life. And that's the armor of God. And the first piece of armor that is mentioned is the breastplate of righteousness. Or, or, no, the the, uh, girding yourself, your loins with truth. I'll get it right. He said, gird your loins with truth. The first Area of attack that the enemy is after in your soul and mine is my purpose for being here. My reason for existing. The reason that God created me. The first area of attack in our life is always going to be against our purpose. And the big three that's going to attack you and your purpose are the world, the flesh, and the devil. Are you with me? You see, the devil knows that if he can strike at who you are and who you were designed to be and who God made you and I to become, And if he can undermine my purpose and my reason for being here, then I am vulnerable to any attack that he wants to play against my soul. And so the attack of the enemy, what the enemy is going to come at in my life, is what we are, what I am. Why am I here Why was all of this done? The reason we were created. What were we made to be? What are we here for? What is the reason that I exist? And what is the meaning of my life? And there are three things that you need to remember about this attack against who you are. And that is the devil wants to undermine number one God's design in your life. The the blueprint. That God had in mind when he created you and he made you unique as you are. No two human beings are the same on the face of the earth. No two fingerprints, your voice print, everything about your life is unique to you alone. Now think about that with me. Why would God create a world with so many different types of people and personalities and uniquenesses if there wasn't a design or if there wasn't a purpose. And so when the devil comes against your life and he comes against my life, one of the areas that he is always going to attack. ...is my purpose, my reason for being here, my reason for existence, God's design for my life, what God had in mind. Not only that, but God's desire. That's the second thing. What did God want when He created me? What did God have in mind when He made me? What did God think of? What was the desired outcome? And the third thing is the destiny... Where did God envision me going? And what did God envision me becoming? And so when the devil comes against you and I, he is going to come against us at the point of our purpose. Because if he can begin to undermine your purpose, then you will begin to question your reason for being here. And when he can undermine your purpose... He can make you question God's thinking or God's way or God's purpose. And the armor that is needed, the armor that is necessary to keep us in this area of life is the girdle of truth. It is the girdle of truth. The girdle was the sash that was pulled about the garment to keep the person from getting tangled up while they were in the midst of battle. They wore the long flowing garments of the eastern habit. And so part of their equipment was this sash, or the Bible calls it a girdle. It was literally some kind of belt that they would tie around and they would pull it up Uh, between their legs so that their garment would not be flapping and flowing in the wind and they wouldn't get tangled up or tripped up in their own garment and become vulnerable to the enemy because uh, of their uh, their, their own doing. And so Paul, through the inspiration of the Spirit, says that the only thing that will keep you from getting tangled up in life and getting your life messed up so that you stumble. The only thing that can keep that from happening is truth. The only thing that can keep you from stumbling and falling is truth. It is the only thing that will keep you from getting tripped up by the devil or by life or by the world or by the flesh. Truth. Everybody say truth. Truth. You, you've got to have on that particular piece of, of, of armor because that truth is what will set you free. It is what will make you tree, free. The Bible says that you and I must know the truth. And if we know the truth, the truth will make us free. The truth is so valuable that when the wise man considered all that a man should do in life he said this is what you need to do. Buy the truth and sell it not. Why? Because the truth reveals your purpose. The truth reveals God's divine motive in mind when he made you. The truth reveals God's plan and purpose for your life. And so the enemy is going to come against you and he's going to try to undermine that purpose. He's going to try to undermine what God made you for and make you begin to question the worth of your life or the validity of your life or whether you matter in life or whether your life has any purpose or meaning. He comes against you so that he can undermine God's intent when God made you to begin with. And if he can get you to question your purpose, if he can get you to thinking that you don't really matter, that you're not important, that you're just an accident, you're just a problem waiting to happen, you're just a failure, You're just going to stumble and fall. If he can get you to believe that, he can undermine God's desire for your life. And so Paul said the only thing that can protect your life, your purpose is truth. Truth is the only thing that will protect your divine purpose. Paul writes to the Thessalonians that people will perish. They will perish in the end time through the deceivable working of Satan, through his power, through his signs, through his wonders, and they will perish because they received not a love for the truth that they might be saved. No wonder John said it. Jesus spoke it. He wrote it. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Truth. According to scripture john seventeen seventeen it is thy word that cleanses it is the Word that sanctifies it is the Word of God that purifies our life. it is truth that establishes us according to Ephesians four and fifteen and the devil will do his best to undermine the importance and the value of truth in your life. That's why the devil works so hard to get you and I to change the truth. That's what scripture said. Romans 1.25. They change the truth. And when they change the truth, they lost their sense of purpose. And the next thing they did is they became unthankful. And when they became unthankful, the next step was they became unholy. And the next thing that came in was immorality. They changed the natural use of their body to that which was unnatural. And it all began when they started messing with truth. You better be careful how you handle the Word of God. Because that's what the devil's after right now. That's why there's so much going on in the religious world right now. That's why there's so much confusion in the religious world. And we don't know what's right or wrong anymore. We got guys preaching that we need to embrace all realms of religion. I was made aware just recently of a meeting between the Pope and another mega religious figure of our world. And the Pope embraced the Koran and said we need to all be one. We need to all uh, understand that we, we we all have a revelation here of God. I'm here to tell you that's what the devil is after. Because if he can get you to question the truth, if he can get you to modify the truth, if he can get you to water down the truth, then he's going to get at your purpose. He's going to undermine why God put you here, and he's going to get you, he's going to pull you into his deceptive web and before it's it through, you won't, you won't believe nothing. I sat at the table with a man several years ago that told me that he was going to go in a different direction. He felt like he needed to experiment with some things. But he said, I'll never change my message of blood, water, and spirit. I'll never change my message of Jesus' name, baptism, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. But you know what I watched I watched that man deviate. I watched that man begin to mess with truths that had been implanted deep in him. And the next thing you find out is that he doesn't even believe anything anymore. He doesn't even stand for anything anymore. And that's what happens when you start unraveling that fabric of truth. And you start playing with the word of God. And you start trying to modify it to fit your convenience. Or you try to make it fit your culture or your world. Listen folks, the Word of God has never been contemporary to the society in which it was preached. It was always against. It was always directly opposed. That's the word of God. You got to accept that and not try to modify it and make it user friendly. This word has never been user friendly. It is sinner friendly. It will save the sinner from his sin, but it's not user friendly. And I better be careful when I start messing with this word because that's what the devil is after in my life. Life. Because if he can start messing with truth, before you know it, you don't know what's right or wrong. That's why he tries to get you to disobey it, Romans 2 and 8. Or worse than that, walk contrary to it, Galatians 2.17. Or 2 Thessalonians 2.10, not love it. Or 2 Thessalonians 2.12, not believe it. Or 2 Timothy 3 7, never come to it. Or 2 Timothy 3, eight resist it. I don't like that, Brother Hughes. I don't, I don't want that. That's what the devil is after. He wants me to resist that. He wants me, according to 2 Timothy 4 and 4, to turn from it. And 1 Timothy 6 and 5, he wants me to be destitute of truth. Why? Because if the devil can get you to messing with truth, and he can get you to mishandle truth, you will begin to see the unraveling of the design and purpose of your life. The truth, this word, reveals your design. It says that you were curiously wrought in the womb. And that you and I are fearfully and wonderfully made. And if the devil can start messing with that and make you think that you came from the genetic mutation of frogs or monkeys. Or some other creature. They don't care what the creature is. Monkey, frog, lice, fleas, flies. They don't care what the, the, the root of it is. What they're after is the unraveling of the fact that this book says that God made you and he made me fearfully and wonderfully and he curiously wrought me. He worked diligently to make me a unique person so that nobody else could say they're Mark Hughes or nobody else could say they're Cecilia Hughes. They they were made so that they would be the one and only. And the devil wants to cheapen your life and my life and get you to think that you're just a run of the mill. You're just, a, you're just an American. You're just a, an Anglo or this race. Or that. that's, that's all that he's after. To get you to thinking in terms of a nationality or a race or a, or a creed or a culture. And if he can get you to lessen the value of who you are, you will never live to your potential and you'll never become what God designed you to become. And folks, the only thing that can protect you from that is truth. Truth. That's why you've got to love truth even when it hurts. That's why you've got to hold on to truth and not sell it because truth is what helps you understand I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And if the devil can get you to forget that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, you will sell yourself to the cheapest bidder. The truth reveals my purpose. That I was made in the image of God. I was made in the image... And the likeness, if he can get you to forget the investment that God has made in humanity, there is that unraveling that starts taking place in life. The truth reveals my destiny. I am more than a conqueror. You know what? The devil has never told me that. My enemy has never told me You got what it takes to win, son. He's told me how cheap I was, he's told me how weak I was. He's told me how I'll never overcome. You'll never get away from me. You'll never break this habit. You'll never do that. You'll never do this. You'll never become that. Oh, that's a bunch of hogwash. That preacher just got a lot of hot air. That's all it is. But the Word of God tells me you're more than a conqueror. If God be for you, who can be against you? It's the Word of God that reminds me if God's on my side, it doesn't matter who's against me. God's greater than whatever it is that opposes me. And the enemy will come, he will attack your. A purpose in life, and he will come at you to undermine why God created you. Because if he can get that to unravel, if he can get that to begin to fray at the edges, then you will begin to look at yourself like the world does. You're an addict, you're an alcoholic, you're a this, you're a that. When the word says, That you are more than a conqueror. The word says that you are born again not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed. The word says you can make it. The word says they overcame him. Who? This Lucifer, this Satan that I'm talking about, this enemy of our soul. They overcame him. By what? The word of their mouth the word of their mouth, the testimony that they had of what God had done by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. You see, the world was not made for deer and dogs and hogs. The world was made for man. There is no creature in all of creation that enjoys the world like man does. Because God didn't create the world for the hog, or the dog, or the frog, or the sheep, or the goat, or anything. He created the world for you and I. He created the world for our enjoyment. The world and its wonders were made for man to enjoy. And if the devil can get you to forget that, you will commiserate with evil. You will play with sin you will compromise your principles if he can get you if the devil can get you to look at yourself in a lesser light than what this word declares you will lower yourself to do the unthinkable and so Paul said you've got to put on the whole armor and part of that armor is that truth It is the girdle of truth. You're not trash, so quit living like it. Amen. The only thing that will keep you from falling and getting tangled up in life is the truth. Say it with me. The truth, the truth shall make me free. That's why the devil hates the truth. That's why he works to undermine it. That's why every day you get up, there's an assault against the truth. And there's an attack on the Bible. Because the devil knows that if you ever buy into what this book says, that you'll never be vulnerable again to his attack. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, maybe I need to close. Amen. The only thing that will keep you from falling is truth. Everybody say it with me. The truth. The truth. It'll keep you from living cheap. You know what woke up the, the prodigal son? It wasn't the hog pen. That wasn't what woke the, the prodigal son up. The smell. The stench. It wasn't even the failure in his own life. It wasn't even the embarrassment That he had had brought on his family. What woke him up was the truth that in his father's house, there were servants that were doing better than he was. And it was that truth that got him back up on his feet and got him headed back in the right direction. Folks, listen to me tonight. The reason the devil doesn't want you to study the armor and he wants you to treat it as just some little frivolous thing put on the whole armor of God is because he doesn't want you to grasp the reality that what he's after, that armor was designed to identify what the devil's going to attack. And what he's going to attack in your life is your purpose. He's going to come against the truth. He's going to undermine the truth. He's going to get you to try to mishandle it or misquote it or misrepresent it. Because when you do, you begin to lose sight of what it is that God made you for. That's why we need to speak the truth. Ephesians 4.25 we need to walk in the truth. 3 John 1, 3, and 4. We need to declare the truth. Acts 26, 25. We need to worship in truth. John 4, 23, 24. We need to come to truth. 1 Timothy 2, 4. We need to believe and know the truth. 1 Timothy 4, 3. We need to handle the truth aright. 2 Timothy 2, 15. We need to obey the truth. 1 Peter 1, 22. We need to be established in it, Second Peter 1, 12. Why? Because that's the only thing that can keep you from losing your sense of purpose and destiny and meaning and value and worth. Do you think people were born to be harlots or drug addicts or alcoholics? Where did that begin? Where did they cross that line from just the innocent little smiley-faced child that everybody loves and everybody pinches their cheeks and everybody wants to hold? What changed a long life that made them become this this cheap, tawdry, smart, marred vessel? It's when the devil got to working on Truth in their life. And working on their purpose. What God made them for. And when you forget about that. Then you lower yourself. And you get involved in things. And you do things that are unthinkable. And you say things that you shouldn't say. It's because you veered away from the truth. And the only thing that will keep life from getting tangled up and messed up is the truth. That's why we better love it. And we better handle it carefully. And we better love it more than we love anything else in the world. Because if you ever lose this, the unraveling begins. Amen. The scripture says, thy word is truth. So I want to take all of it. The these and thous, the begets, (laughs) all of it. I don't want a Thomas Jefferson Bible. Thomas Jefferson, he didn't believe in miracles. He didn't believe in the supernatural. So Thomas Jefferson, President of the United States, created his own Bible. He took a penknife and he went through and he started cutting out every miracle that was in the Bible. And so if you read Thomas Jefferson's Bible, you know where it ends? It doesn't end in revelation. It ends with the crucifixion and the burial of Jesus Christ, and that's it. There's no resurrection. There's no heaven. There's no angels. There's no glory to come. That's what happens when you start tampering with truth. Amen. Buy the truth and sell it not. The whole armor. Everybody say the whole armor. That's why you need the whole armor in your life. Because there's an area of your life and mine that's going to be under constant and continual attack. And one of those areas is my divine purpose. Let's stand.